May I speak to you in the name and the love and the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everyone. So in um, Steve Plank's recent letter, very heartfelt and moving letter to the parish, on concluding his 25 years of uh, serving as our choir master, he reflected on the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. Uh, specifically, to everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. And at last week's vestry meeting, uh, Chris Smythe, one of our vestry members, led us in a meditation inspired by Steve's letter on Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and the song Turn, 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 uh, made famous by the birds in 1965, originally by Pete Seeger. And as, as Steve noted in his letter, these turn out to be quite similar because the words of turn, turn, turn are taken almost entirely from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now, you did not miss something. Ecclesiastes is not one of the readings for today, don't worry. Um, but this is a day and a time turning points. It is the first official Sunday of summer, time of turning seasons, and of course, along with that goes the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, a turning point in our annual path around the sun. And uh, of course, in the time since I prepared this sermon, there has been an overturning of a Supreme Court decision which has ramifications uh, and consequences that has and will continue to send shockwaves throughout uh, American life. Now here in the church, as we settle into the long liturgical season of ordinary time, we find ourselves faced with other turning points. Last Sunday, we switched from the Gospel of John, which carried us through Eastertide and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, to the Gospel of Luke, which will take us through ordinary time all the way until Advent. And today, within Luke's Gospel, we find an important turning point in Jesus' life and in Luke's narrative. Luke tells us, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, up until this point in Luke, uh, Jesus has been born, uh, gets baptized much later, goes into the wilderness, returns, calls disciples, begins his ministry of healing, proclaiming, and of teaching. The location so far has been Galilee, a region in northern Israel or Palestine. Uh, and, and last week, Jesus leaves Galilee to go across the Sea of Galilee to the eastern uh, shore in what uh, Luke calls the country of the Gerasenes. Now, this is where the story of the Gerasene demoniac, which Brandon talked about last week, uh, takes place. And this is non-Jewish territory. So theologically, Jesus uh, is going into the Gentile world, going into the wider world. But now he has returned to Galilee, returned to Jewish territory, and has set his face to go to Jerusalem, the holy city, the, uh, the theological and geographical center of Jewish identity and culture. Now to say that Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem is to say that he is headed, of course, to his death and resurrection, the center of his vocation, the, uh, the dual event that changed the world forever. Jesus here is firmly resolved. 
Another translation says that, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We could say that Jesus has set his chin to the wind. You know, nothing can deter him or, or distract him. His, his existential energy is singularly directed towards this. Now, later in this passage, Jesus exchanges some words with some would-be disciples, and these remarks make it crystal clear that Jesus calls his disciples to share this existential commitment. Luke tells us that uh, to one he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So, uh, so much for Jesus and family values. Uh, I, was on a way, I was away on a trip last weekend, and, and uh, in this place there were a lot of yard signs I saw that said, be kind. Uh, kind of seems like Jesus missed those. Uh, here he sounds kind of insensitive and uh, not very pastoral. Why does he speak this way? Well, it's important to remember uh, what we could call Hebraic hyperbole. That is, uh, that dramatic, exaggerated, figurative language was very common in the Jewish culture that, that Jesus lived in. It's all, it's all over the Hebrew Bible. And uh, actually, first let me bury my father, which is uh, the, the excuse uh, that one of these would-be disciples gives to Jesus, uh, was a colloquial expression in Jesus' day. It meant... Uh, I'd like to do X. I'd really like to, to follow you, Jesus. I'm interested in that, but I have, I have other things going on. So I, I, you know, let me try to take care of those things first. Now, Jesus' response is, let other people worry about that. You follow me. And that is, of course, exactly what the apostles James, John, and Peter did earlier in the story when they dropped their nets uh, and followed Jesus. Seems that the challenge here is that Jesus not only calls us away from bad things, the sorts of things that we heard uh, enumerated in the reading from Galatians, uh, things that are, uh, if not bad, superfluous or unnecessary, it's that Jesus often calls us to leave good things, things that might even appear necessary for our lives in order to follow him. Now, in the case of James, John, and Peter, they left their livelihood and their family trade. They were fishermen. Jesus seems to be saying here, you must choose me even over good things, even over the best things. He is uncompromising. And that's not to say that God doesn't ever want us to have or enjoy good things. Of course not. Uh, but rather, whatever we do and whatever we have, whoever we are, is to be in response to God's calling, God's will for our lives. And not merely our or somebody else's idea of what we want or need or should have or should do or, or who we should be. Uh, St. Augustine once wrote, love God and then do what you will. And I think that is to say, if you put God first, everything else will fall into place. I believe this is a message worth hearing and worth heeding because uh, 
uh, so many of the people we most admire, who, who inspire us, who are fully alive and bring life to the world, uh, tend to have something in common. And that is that they are dedicated to one thing. They are very clear about what this is, and, and they are all in. You know, people like LeBron James, I mean, who knows how many uh, times he's, he's practiced his, his basketball throw. Uh, Cleveland Browns legend Jim Brown, Serena Williams, uh, Beyonce, and of course, visionaries and leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. and Desmond Tutu. When we are set on the one thing, we are much like Jesus, who set himself resolutely towards his calling. Now, the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard wrote a book called Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. So when we focus our lives toward the one thing, and for Kierkegaard, and of course for Jesus, this is God, uh, when we do this, it reorders everything else. Family, career, other priorities, other demands. Puts everything in its right place, uh, to quote the band Radiohead. Now, this path is sometimes difficult and challenging, and it certainly comes, calls for some sacrifice. But the alternative, uh, what Kierkegaard called double-mindedness, is to live a confused and chaotic and conflicted life. This is perhaps why Jesus said no one can serve two masters. So may we choose the one thing and put God first. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, there is a cost to dis discipleship. So some things and some people in our lives might fall away when we do this, but, but Jesus calls us to have the faith and the courage to follow him anyway. What fills our time? What fills our days, our calendars? What priorities and commitments do these things reflect? What things in our lives, even, even good things, might God be calling us to let go of, turn away from? What is standing in the way of us setting ourselves resolutely toward the one thing that God is calling us to? The one thing that will put everything else in perspective. Throughout all the seasons of our life, all the changes and chances of our turbulent times and world, may we turn again and again and again to the one who loves us, who calls us, and who leads us into life. Amen.